Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to CBS News Roundup ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This is the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Coming up, four young people shot in the U.S. one fatally after going to the wrong place. There's no place you can run from any of this. For Earth Week, a look at using poo for power. It is a form of liquid gold, isn't it? In the Kaleidoscope with Alison Keyes segment, the trauma of black men assumed to be a threat. It's saddening, it's eye-opening at the same time, it's frightening. I'm Alison Keyes in the Washington Bureau. The nation is talking about guns, fear, and race after four young people are shot for making an ordinary mistake, showing up in the wrong place. In upstate New York, a group looking for a friend's house arrived in the wrong driveway, and one of them was fatally shot. Two cheerleaders were shot and wounded outside of a Texas supermarket after one of them got into a car thinking it was hers. In Kansas City, a black honor student went to the wrong address and was shot twice by the white homeowner who didn't say a word before opening fire, later telling police he was scared to death. Researchers say black men are often viewed with suspicion. We begin our coverage with CBS's John Dickerson. The 84-year-old man accused of shooting a black teenager who went to the wrong house surrendered to police in Kansas City, Missouri Tuesday. 16-year-old Ralph Yarl was trying to pick up his twin brothers from a friend's house but went to the wrong address. His mother spoke with Gail King on CBS Mornings. He was supposed to stay outside and his brothers were supposed to run outside, get in the car and they and they come home. And that was what was supposed to happen. And while he was standing there, his brothers didn't run outside, but he got a couple of bullets in his body instead of a couple of twins coming up out and giving him a hug. The suspect, Andrew Lester, bonded out of jail after being processed on two felony charges. A group of Kansas City mothers is speaking out, saying families are terrorized by fear. CBS's Adriana Diaz. It may not be our kids, but it's going to be someone's kids, Mm -hmm. and that hurts just as much. Sarah Ennis, Anna Simpson, Annie Knoll, and Eileen Knobloch are suburban Kansas City moms who say if they don't speak up, they're part of the problem. So many women out here, this was their first protest, this was my first protest. They'd never done anything like this, and it felt scary and uncomfortable, and... We want other moms like us to get uncomfortable a little bit. That's why just three weeks ago, after the Nashville school shooting, they created Lives on the Line, a group stretching across district, state, and party lines demanding an end to gun violence. We don't have enough white people who are willing to stand up and say, this is not right. Because we know that black children and LGBT people are affected by gun violence at a much higher level. A recent CBS News poll showed 61% of parents say their children are worried about gun violence. 
My eight-year-old woke up the other night and she said, Mom, I had this dream and there were guns. You have mental health issues everywhere. Yeah. But when you pair those with absolute chaos in terms of gun legislation, this is what you get. With gun gridlock in Washington, states are paving their own way in both directions. This week, Washington state will become the 10th to ban assault weapons, and Florida's governor recently signed a bill allowing permitless concealed carry, the 26th state to do so. And in Tennessee, despite the Nashville school shooting last month, representatives just passed a law protecting gun manufacturers against lawsuits. The states with the weakest gun laws have gun death rates that are three times higher than states with strong restrictions. I think about it every day. I drop my children off at school. Every day? Every single day. Oh, every day. Every, every, every day. day I say I love you yeah. and I pray it. I'm yeah. not exaggerating. I'm not, I pray it's not the last time I see Yeah. One mom also told us that maybe there needs to be a change in narrative. Perhaps approach ending gun violence as what could be the greatest achievement of this era. Adriana Diaz, CBS News, Kansas City. Now to the case of actor Alec Baldwin, as prosecutors in New Mexico have dropped charges against him related to the shooting death on the set of his movie Rust in 2021. CBS's Jonathan Vigliotti. Were you in the room when the lady when someone was, was shot? Holding the gun, yeah. Alec Baldwin was rehearsing a scene for Rust when his gun discharged on the film's New Mexico set in October 2021. It was loaded with live ammunition. It should have been a cold gun with no rounds inside or dummy rounds. Baldwin has insisted he never pulled the trigger of the weapon that killed Helena Hutchins and injured director Joel Souza. Prosecutors initially argued otherwise. This was a negligent discharge of a firearm because he pulled that trigger. That was Santa Fe District Attorney Mary Carmack Altwees speaking with CBS News in January. But on Thursday, special prosecutors overseeing the case said new facts were revealed that demand further investigation and forensic analysis, leading them to dismiss involuntary manslaughter charges against Baldwin. They added the decision does not absolve Baldwin of criminal culpability and charges may be refiled. I was very surprised when I heard the charges had been dropped. And then I was even more surprised when I read what the reasoning seems to be. CBS News legal analyst Ricky Kleeman pointed to new reports which suggest the gun in question may have been modified before it was delivered to set. What we've learned is that if this gun had in fact been modified and that it could go off without someone pulling the trigger, is that the prosecutors and their first investigation was not thorough. Involuntary manslaughter charges have not been dropped against Hannah Gutierrez Reed, who was in charge of weapons on the set. I'm the armor, or at least I was. Her lawyers say they expect her to be exonerated. And meanwhile, assistant director David Halls, who inspected the gun before giving it to Baldwin, has pleaded no contest to a misdemeanor charge, negligent use of a deadly weapon. A new report from the National Association of Realtors shows sales of existing homes last month dropped 22% from a year earlier and prices are coming down. But the housing market is still expensive. Looking to score your forever home? CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger has some tips. The spring real estate season is in full swing and here's what you need to know. Higher mortgage rates have slowed down market activity as would-be buyers have been forced to reduce the amount of money they can afford to pay for a home. Meanwhile, current owners have been reluctant to either move to a bigger house or downsize, 
and give up their ultra-low pandemic-era mortgage rates. The combination has created a situation where housing inventory remains low, and prices have not yet dropped sufficiently to attract more people into the market. You don't necessarily have to sit on the sidelines in this environment. The numbers can work, especially if you're in a high cost of living area where rent is expensive. To reduce costs, consider an adjustable rate mortgage, which decreases the amount of interest for a fixed period of time. These loans work well for those who will likely sell or refinance by the end of the fixed period. You can also lower the rate for a new mortgage by paying discount points. These upfront fees can bring down the monthly payment either permanently or temporarily. In New York, I'm CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger. Coming up, the battle over trans rights and health care. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Allison Keyes. President Biden is set to formally announce his plans for re-election as early as next week. CBS's Weijia Jiang from the White House. President Biden has long said it is his intention to run, and CBS News has now learned that he could make it official as early as this coming Tuesday. That's exactly four years since the president jumped into the race in 2020. Sources say the president plans to make the announcement in the form of a video release. Fueling the speculation, President Biden is also hosting major campaign donors in Washington next week. In recent weeks, he has made it clear that he plans to run again. And of course, this could set up a rematch between him and former President Donald Trump, who is currently the frontrunner for the GOP nomination. Now, one important caveat, guys. We are told the president has not made any official decisions or even signed off on a specific date, so it could slide. This will likely be an important topic of conversation this weekend when President Biden will be at Camp David with staff and family. This is new information surfaces about Hunter Biden's laptop. House Republicans say a former CIA official told congressional investigators that a then-Biden campaign advisor was behind a statement from former intelligence officials discrediting the laptop issue in the weeks before the 2020 election. CBS's Katherine Herridge. I've never spoken much. In the final weeks of the 2020 presidential campaign, the New York Post reported on the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop, alleging he used his father's position for personal gain, a claim the president's son has denied. Less than a week later, more than 50 former intelligence officials released a statement that the laptop had all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. At the final presidential debate, then-candidate Biden cited the letter from intel officials to push back against then-President Trump's attacks. 
There are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plan. They have said that this is, has all the four, five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. According to a letter released Thursday night from the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees, former CIA Deputy Director Michael Morell told congressional investigators the days after the laptop story, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, then a Biden campaign advisor, reached out to Morell and set in motion the events that led to the intelligence officials' public statement. If they made an effort to manipulate intelligence officials to sign a letter uh, basically uh, misleading the public about the Hunter Biden laptop right before the election. That is a major, major political event. This comes after an IRS agent came forward this week alleging the investigation involving Hunter Biden's taxes has been improperly influenced for political reasons. The White House responded. President uh, respects the rule of law uh, and, and the, the independence of the Department of Justice. We asked Morrell, who is a former CBS News contributor, if the characterization of his congressional interview is accurate, and he declined to comment. In a tweet, the White House accused House Republicans of weaponizing their power to relitigate the 2020 election rather than focus on the real problems Americans face. That flurry of laws affecting transgender people isn't slowing down this week. The Republican-led House of Representatives passed a bill banning transgender women and girls from competing in female school sports. The bill is passed. By a vote of 219 to 203, the Republican-controlled House passed a bill it named the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act. H.R. 734 bars schools that receive federal funding from allowing a person whose biological sex assigned at birth was male to participate in women or girls' athletic programs. This is about protecting women's sports. The perverse biological fantasies of the left are both dangerous and a direct threat to women's sports. NCAA volleyball player Macy Petty joined Republicans before the vote. She recalled competing against a transgender athlete at a college recruitment event. I did not sign up to be in a co-ed league. I signed up to be in a women's league. Democrats point out the NCAA and other groups already have policies in place and accuse the GOP of trying to score points with its base. Let's allow the relevant organizations involved in elite sports competition to do what they do and to set the framework and the boundaries. The measure isn't expected to go anywhere. It doesn't have support in the Democrat-controlled Senate or the White House. We've been very clear that the administration is committed to protecting LGBTQI plus kids at school. At least 20 states have imposed restrictions on trans athletes. Skyler Henry, CBS News, Washington. North Dakota's governor this week signed a bill restricting transgender health care for people under 18. North Dakota is the 11th state to sign a complete ban for youth gender affirming care. And at least 19 other states, local legislators are considering bills that would similarly restrict this kind of medical care for trans youth. Cody Schuler, the advocacy manager for ACLU North Dakota, says the governor's signature on House Bill 1254 reaches repercussions beyond just trans issues. We're going to see folks that are going to have to leave the state just for basic health care that they need. 
So we are, I think we are going to see that. I think we're also going to see people who are not interested in relocating. Right now, um, the governor has this campaign to want to attract workforce development. Families with trans kids are not going to move here because they're not going to have the resources they need. Testimony was heard in favor of the bill citing cerebral cortex development, or the lack thereof, until you reach 25 years old. That's KXMB-TV's Kiara Brown. We know COVID ruined many things, but what about those business lunches? Even the nation's most venerable restaurants are adjusting to midday meal service post-pandemic. Tracy Vaught owns five restaurants in the Houston area. We stalled on lunches during the week and happy hour, mainly due to people working from home. Despite management's best efforts, office occupancy rates overall have plateaued at half of pre-pandemic levels. Houston has the additional issue of having the highest vacancy rate downtown in the country. So we have about a 30% vacancy rate in buildings, lease space in downtown. And then of those that are occupied, only about 60% of their employees are there at any one time. That's like an effective vacancy rate of 42% or so. For Vaughn's restaurants like Hugo's, Backstreet and Sochi's. That makes for much softer lunches, happy hours and events during the day. So she's made adjustments to save money on operating costs. At one of our restaurants, we're only open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday day. And there aren't always as many choices. Some cases, the menus are a little smaller during the day. For now, her group is pushing more parties, baby showers, and catering. You know, whatever you can increase is what you increase, right? For the CBS News Weekend Roundup, I'm Deborah Rodriguez. Coming up, the latest from Ukraine that's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Allison Keyes. A Russian fighter jet Friday accidentally bombed one of that nation's own cities about 25 miles from the Ukraine border as the war continues. CBS's Holly Williams reports that military fighters in Ukraine are getting more weapons from the West as they prepare for a new round of fighting. Through dense forest in eastern Ukraine, down muddy tracks, we were taken to see something hidden amongst the trees. An entire battalion of Ukraine's 3rd Tank Brigade, known as the Iron Brigade. Their machines are well camouflaged, so they can't be spotted by Russian drones. This one's a 1980s era tank. It's pretty old technology. They're not state-of-the-art. These are all Soviet-made tanks more than three decades old. But they allow the Ukrainians to penetrate deep into territory occupied by Russia. You can hit something 12 kilometres, that's eight miles away. Vladimir is a tank commander who told us he used to serve in the Soviet army alongside Russian comrades back when Ukraine was part of the USSR. Now the Russians are his enemy. Ukraine's new friends, the US and its European allies, are sending more capable modern tanks, including 31 Abrams from America expected later this year. Ukraine's government calls tanks the punching fist of democracy. For Vladimir, the Abrams can't come soon enough. My parents lived here, my children live here, my grandchildren live here, Vladimir told us. This is our land. 
The soldiers manning those tanks asked us to pass on their thanks to the American people for their support. And that's something that we've heard over and over again here in Ukraine. Holly Williams, CBS News, Rivne. Ukraine. A Muslim holy month is coming to an end as a three-day holiday begins. Linda Gradstein reports from Jerusalem. Tens of thousands of Palestinians gathered at the Al-Aqsa Mosque for prayers marking the end of the Muslim holy month of Ramadan and the beginning of the three-day holiday called Eid al-Fitr. The Al-Aqsa Mosque is the third holiest site in Islam after the cities of Mecca and Medina in Saudi Arabia. The Jordanian-backed Waq, which controls the site, said that four million worshippers had visited during Ramadan despite clashes between Palestinians and Israeli soldiers earlier in the month. Linda Gradstein for CBS News, Jerusalem. SpaceX's Starship, the most powerful rocket ever built, blew up Thursday just minutes after launch on its maiden flight. But CBS's Mark Strassman tells us SpaceX still considers the test flight a success. Starship, the world's most powerful rocket, blasted off from South Texas for what was supposed to be a 90-minute flight around the globe. We're flying at twice the thrust of the Saturn V heading to space. But by 90 seconds into flight, five of its 33 engines had quit. Then, 24 miles over the Gulf of Mexico, the rocket began tumbling out of the sky. We should have had separation by now. Obviously, this is, uh, does not appear to be a nominal situation. With the rocket veering off course, it activated its own self-destruct system. Total flight time, four minutes. From Starship Mission Control, SpaceX founder Elon Musk tweeted congratulations to his team. Learned a lot for next test launch in a few months. This was a very classic successful failure. This is the SpaceX way. Former NASA astronaut Garrett Reisman, now a SpaceX consultant. Nobody got hurt today. The rocket went kablooey. That's the technical term, by the way, is kablooey. But there are many more waiting in the wings. What did they accomplish today? So today we found out what the weakest links are in the design, and they're going to fly again, hopefully within just a month or two, and then we'll find the next weakest link until we find all of them. 400 feet tall, Starship towers over every other rocket ever built. Its biggest customer, NASA, is paying SpaceX billions to have Starship land astronauts back on the moon for the Artemis program. Uh, It's only the beginning. It's a development program. But uh, they are meeting their milestones. How closely are you watching these flights? Well, NASA's all over them uh, when it comes to putting NASA astronauts on uh, these machines. But at this stage for SpaceX, failure is an option. People are thinking about the climate crisis this Earth Week, and the EPA says carbon dioxide is the primary greenhouse gas emitted through human activity. But some companies are working harder to capture CO2 at the source and turning it into stuff you can use every day. CBS's Jared Hill visits one of them. Bottles of liquid innovation, perfume, and vodka. The first products that have been made from carbon dioxide. In this warehouse in New York City, Air Company takes industrial CO2 captured before it's released into the air, mixes it with hydrogen to make cleaner consumer products. The folks at Air Company say making greener perfume and vodka is great, but this is just a taste of what they think this technology can do when it comes to bringing us to a more sustainable future. Air Company CEO Gregory Constantine says the real focus is jet fuel. 
The aviation industry accounts for about 2 to 3% of global CO2 emissions on an annual basis. With the same process, the company has developed what it calls sustainable aviation fuel, ready to drop in a plane without changing the hardware. Last year, the Air Force ran its first test and recently struck a deal with the startup to help the government's biggest emitter of greenhouse gases capture and convert CO2 on site. You're actually able to, you know, to create a new fuel that is removing carbon dioxide in its production process rather than polluting with putting out carbon dioxide in the production process. You're having steps in the right direction. A tool, but critics say not a solution. They argue the process can be expensive and getting the CO2 can be energy intensive. Air Company acknowledges there's work to do, but says this is just the beginning. Jared Hill, CBS News, Brooklyn, New York. While people are cleaning up their parks and waterways to celebrate the planet, what about those computers and phones? The former CEO of FTX has so much data on his laptop, it's taken the FBI overtime hours to sift through it. The crypto exchange imploded last year. Sam Bankman-Fried is now accused of fraud. And digital hoarding means more evidence to sift through. Take out the papers and the trash. We take out the kitchen garbage, so why is it so hard to delete old emails and files? University types are now questioning whether digital hoarding should be added to the Bible of psychiatry as a disorder. The hoarding is happening on our devices, too. The average American has at least 40 apps on their phone, but uses less than half of them. And inside those apps, the more social media platforms you use, the more digital hoarding happens. Doctors see this behavior in Gen Xers, but the tendencies are even stronger in millennials. So purge all those store ads and downloaded coupons, but keep grandma's emails. Some prayers are worth rereading. Jennifer Brown, CBS News. Coming up in the Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys segment, black men dealing with white fear. You'll think about it all the time. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Welcome to the Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys segment, where every week we discuss issues including income inequality. This week we're talking guns and fear. In the span of six days, four young people have been shot, one fatally, after showing up in the wrong place. In Kansas City, Ralph Yarl, a black 16-year-old honor student trying to pick up his brothers, went to the wrong house and rang the doorbell. The 84-year-old white homeowner, Andrew Lester, fired twice without a word, hitting Yarl in the head and in the arm, later telling police he was scared to death. The teen survived, but... Researchers note that blacks, particularly black men, are often viewed with fear. We asked Senior Program Director Reverend W. Douglas Banks at the nonprofit Black Men Heal for his reaction to the shooting. The question is, which shooting at this point? That's, um, when we, when we, it, the first thing that um, I thought of when I heard about uh, the young man getting shot was, this is Emmett Teal all over again. It's like, when are we going to not have a story that's uh, horrific, um, but at the same time, you know, it's almost unbelievable. Um, it's no matter how much legislation is passed or how much time elapses on the clock, these same stories are still um, amongst us uh, in our country, and it's and it's saddening 
It's um, eye-opening at the same time. It's frightening, um, you know, just for making a mistake of knocking on the wrong door. Uh, I mean, who hasn't done that? I've got to jump in just for a second for the listeners who may not know Emmett Till was a 14-year-old black teen who was lynched in Mississippi in 1955 for his alleged interaction with a, a white woman. But... You were saying wood shooting, right? And I guess my second question is, what do you tell black children about this, right? I don't have any kids, but if I had a son, do you say never ring a doorbell again? Never ask for help? Because there have been issues with that in other cities as well. Yeah, I think I saw a post uh, someone put on social media, um, you know, don't don't uh, ring a doorbell. Don't make a mistake. And as if it was the young man's fault um, for what he did, that he ended up getting shot. Uh, I'm privileged and fortunate to have five sons that I'm raising between me and my wife. Wow. Um, and they range from 14 to 30. And every single one of them, we tell the same thing. Um, you know, be excellent at, at who you are, but also be careful. Um they're at the age now where we can be honest about the world that we live in um, and uh, the unfortunate reality uh, of why uh, those things are um, something like this though is so unexpected. Um, but no, you, I, I don't tell someone to stop being who they are. Um, the, the young man is the victim in this. He's not the perpetrator and it's not his fault. So um, we can't avoid making mistakes. It's just so costly uh, for him. But thankfully, it looks like he's going to pull through, um, uh, certainly not unscathed, but um, he's not lost his life, um, though there's a lot to recover. Are you and your sons traumatized by something like this? Do you think, my God, that could be one of my kids? You know, the kind of, uh, I, I don't know, I can't speak for my sons because um, I think that they live in such a an era where some of these things are run of the mill. Um, you know, I'm, I, I also uh, teach in schools and, you know, t- as a teacher, as an educator and kids, they understand and know that you have to have drills um, for um, when someone comes into the school or, you know, you still only have to do a fire drill or something like that. Now they, everything is so centered around um, someone getting shot. Um and particularly in the Philadelphia area where we are, the news is so bad every single day that um, the trauma that exists upon it, I think it has a, a tendency to to deaden um, the nerves of of people who hear it on a regular basis. Um, you know, when, when people live in this kind of society in this time period, one of two things will happen. You either get numb to it Um, or it'll become acutely alarming that you'll think about it all the time, um, and, and almost kind of lose yourself in it. Um, um, my young people, um, today seem to be more numb to it than anything else. I'm going to come back to that in a second, but first I want to ask you, there's been all this research that says black children, black male children in particular, are often seen by whites as bigger and stronger than they are, right? I mean, this kid was 5'8 and 140 pounds, but the person that shot him said, well, he was a black male approximately six feet tall, and I was just terrified. 
how much do you, as as a grown man, run into that in the street? Women grabbing their purses as you walk by, you know? Yeah, I I, I saw that quote from the young, uh, from the gentleman uh, who shot him. And, um, you know, I also saw pictures of the young man. I was like, he wasn't big at all. Um, and it just goes to show it's it's the perception um, that exists of African-American men. Um, when you look through the lens of something, you're always going to see something negative, always going to see something uh, wrong. And obviously, uh, that's that's what happened here, because, you know, in reality, this is not a big uh, person who's knocking on the door. Um, you know, I, I, I I'm actually a big guy. Um, and um, and I remember telling my sons as they grew older, um, you know, um, that they would now be viewed when they got to a certain level. Uh, by the authorities, by teachers, by uh, people who are adults because of their size and their nature along with the color of their skin and that they needed to be aware of that because even though uh, they may have even good rapport with people around them, they're taller than six feet, bigger than 200 pounds. Uh, they're going to be uh, villainized uh, in the minds of, of people who see them. I know that you you work with Black Men Heal. How does a Black man, how does a Black community heal from something like this and dealing with that perception constantly? So it, it happens um, with us being honest about the things that are going on and, and what we're living in. We, we've got to, I, I believe, um, I mean, one, one of the things that Black Men Heal does excellently is um, provide one-on-one uh you know, therapy for people. Uh, we also have group counseling um, um, uh, that happens on a weekly basis, a national call, a Zoom call. Uh, we also specialize in gun violence uh, group therapy. We have a whole section on that um, that we, you know, utilize to give people some education and also deal with the aftermath of uh, people who live in a society like that. Um, but some of the things that we suggest is that you may want to limit your news consumption. It, I remember a few weeks ago uh, when uh, another uh, young man had gotten um, killed by the police. It was five police officers involved and the video uh, came out and people were talking about it. Uh, I refused to watch it. Um, and, and because sometimes seeing there's some things you actually don't need to see. Um, there's some things that you don't need to to put in front of your your eyes. Um, uh, th- there's also you got to be intentional about you know what you consume, um, and that goes down the same vein. And and but the, the the last piece I would suggest is is getting involved in some acts of justice, um, some things that come against those uh, things that we see that are traumatic because those actions actually do something with our mentality and our brain um, that causes us to process things differently. And if we're doing some actions that um, are coming coming uh, against those uh, injustices, then it helps promote a sense of hope as well. I've just got to ask, is there anything that you can say as a person to people that basically think of, of black men and perhaps black people in general as monsters? If I could say anything to them, it's an interesting question. I've never been asked before. I don't think that it's a cure that can be, uh, 
that I can say to someone uh, with my words, I would just quote uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in which he wanted to live one day in a society where people were judged by the content of their character and not the color of their skin and uh, really hope that um, people get to know each other on a one, one-on-one basis um, because when they do, they see that the things that they have prejudices against, whether it's racial, whether it's um, uh, sexual, whether it's uh, identity um, influence, they all seem to be different when we get to know someone individually and we say, well, you're not like the rest of them you know, because the rest of them really don't exist. They exist mostly in our mind. That's Reverend W. Douglas Banks of the nonprofit Black Men Heal, which offers free mental health care to men of color. Coming up, the power of poo. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings at hundreds of stores, including Doc Martens, Ninja Kitchen, and Hotels.com. Prep for summer and save big on beauty, travel, electronics, and more. It's one of Rakuten's biggest cash back events, and it's on May 6th through May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Allison Keyes. As Earth Week is celebrated around the globe, we're taking a look at some signs of terrifying problems ahead, but also some innovative solutions. We'll begin with Arizona, where some cities are facing cuts to their water supplies. CBS has been Tracy. Just outside of a western Arizona town called Hope. And as you can see, there's no water. Cattle rancher Brad Mead is finding it hard not to lose his. This was your well. This was my well. And now you got nothing. Nothing but dust. You can toss a rock in and it's it's gone. He then took us here. This is the edge of your land here? To show us his neighbor's land. He claims they've used so much water that his well went dry. And that's all Farm de Monte's. All of that green over there. That green is alfalfa, one of the most water-intensive crops. It's used as cattle feed and being grown on these massive farms in the Arizona desert by Fondamonte, which is owned by one of the largest dairy companies in Saudi Arabia. So when you look out there and you see all that green, what do you think? I see uh, money leaving America. I see water getting depleted. It makes me very angry. Because La Paz County Supervisor Holly Irwin has been sounding the alarm about these foreign-owned farms since they began operating here in 2015. Why would a company from Saudi Arabia be growing alfalfa in the Arizona desert? Because they've depleted their natural resource over there, so now they're here. It's illegal to grow alfalfa in Saudi Arabia because it takes too much water. So Fondamonte bought vast tracts of desert in western Arizona on top of a massive groundwater aquifer, in part because there are no regulations on how much water can be pumped out of the ground. So anybody can come out here and buy or lease land, and if you can put a well in and you can find water, you can take it. That's right. 
As climate change fuels devastating droughts, Arizona and its rapidly growing cities are facing drastic cuts to their surface water supply from the critically low Colorado River system. We cannot afford to give our water away, frankly, to anyone, let alone the Saudis, for free. Chris Mays is Arizona's newly elected attorney general. As we talked to her at one of Fondamonte's farms, we saw a series of Fondamonte trucks hauling dried alfalfa off the property and down this dirt road. They ship it back to the Middle East to feed cattle. So cows in Saudi Arabia are essentially drinking Arizona water. Correct. These pumps are pumping water out of the ground that belongs to the state of Arizona and essentially it's being exported to Saudi Arabia. Fondamonte declined our request for an interview or statement, but what it's doing here is not illegal. In fact, the state of Arizona itself is renting this particular piece of land to Fondamonte for just $25 an acre. It can then pump unlimited amounts of groundwater for essentially no cost. There's nothing to say except that's insane. So if this is so obviously insane, how did this happen? It's a great question. CBS News obtained copies of several land leases dating back to 2014 that give Fondamonte rights to more than 6,000 acres of state-owned land and the groundwater that comes with it. The leases are signed by Arizona's State Land Department. We asked the department why it granted the leases, but it did not respond to our multiple requests for comment. Most state officials in charge when the leases were signed are no longer in office. It is a scandal that the state of Arizona allowed this to happen. The state doesn't even know exactly how much water the foreign farms are using. Put an end to these sweetheart water deals. Attorney General Mays, a Democrat, made canceling these leases a centerpiece of her recent campaign. So we'll go see some land. She took us on a state-owned plane to see the farms from the air. I mean, that is a lot of green down there. Using millions upon millions of gallons of uh, precious groundwater. She says canceling the leases is an urgent concern because groundwater in this valley is supposed to be the state's emergency water supply during a water crisis. This is water that Phoenix is about to need. We are on the cusp of a potential water disaster in the state of Arizona. How concerned are you about the future out here? I'm concerned. Rancher Brad Mead sees a water reckoning coming and hopes the punchline on the way out of town doesn't become a prophecy. You got to have hope and faith, otherwise we're all doomed, right? Ben Tracy, CBS News. There are some 2 million livestock farms in the U.S. which produce a lot of slurry. But one company in England has a green use for the smelly crap. CBS's Ian Lee with more. Seven-year-old James is the future of his family farm. And he's also shoveling the farm's future. It is a form of liquid gold, isn't it? Because you can't do much without slurry. It's an incredible form of fertilizer. That slurry, or liquid cow patties, are powering this English farm. The power of poo. <laughs> cow waste gives off harmful methane. Instead of leaking it into the atmosphere, it's captured and turned into fuel. Cornwall company Benjamin created the system to capture and process the gas. The bottom layer is the dirty gas, the yeah. upper layer is the processed gas. That's correct, yeah, yeah. How much gas can you produce in a day? In a day, we can produce half a ton. That's enough to run this New Holland tractor for about a week. Well, we call it the T6180 methane power, but my children call it the cow fart tractor. Scientists estimate livestock are responsible for 14% of global greenhouse gas emissions. 
dairy and cows have been sort of demonized for destroying the ozone layer and that's absolutely wrong because in fact what we're doing here is we're promoting dairy as a way of reducing fossil fuel usage. The next step is developing a methane power generator to take the farm completely off the grid. Milking, lights, the whole bang, like it'll all be run off poo. And you have a new appreciation for the poo too? Yes, I do. <laughs> Before when you're in here cursing it and moving it around. Now you still curse a little bit, but you just think of the greater good, don't you? Because it's doing amazing things. The stench of going green never smelled so good. Ian Lee, CBS News, Cornwall, England. Finally. Me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. They'll be singing more of that in Las Vegas soon as that city is about to stop its baseball game way up. The Oakland A's have been trying for years without success to get a new stadium in the Bay Area. Now it appears they are moving to Las Vegas. There is anger in Oakland. It has become clear that we are not able to reach an acceptable terms. Oakland Mayor Shang Tao. This announcement happened mid-negotiations. And it shows that they had no interest in reaching a deal with Oakland at all. The target date for the new stadium in Las Vegas is 2027. Steve Futterman, CBS News. That's it for the Weekend Roundup. Thanks for listening. We want to get your feedback. Send us your thoughts and story ideas to Weekend Roundup at cbsnews.com. As always, you can find the program online on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. The Weekend Roundup is produced at the CBS News Washington Bureau. Sarah Fishman is the technical supervisor, and Alan Peng provides production assistance. Tara Lipinski is the executive producer. Have a great week. I'm Allison Keyes, CBS News. If you like CBS News Roundup, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. Listen to Blood is Thicker. The Hargan Family Killings, early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.